Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. It's good to see all of you today. Thank you all for joining in online and listening. We'd love to hear from you as well. But today, we want to most importantly hear from the Word of God and the truth of God and what God's Word says. As you've noticed, we are in a series this summer titled In the Wild, talking about surviving in the wild, the wild, that, the wild world that we live in, the things that we face day in and day out. And early on, we said it's very important for us to find north, to get our bearings, to find our, our compass, to find truth in the midst of the craziness of this world. And we said to find north is to find the word of God and the truth of God's word. And we cannot separate those two things. We cannot separate truth from the word of God. But as we continue to dig into the word of God, we see something's wrong. We see in the beginning this beautiful picture in the design of God's world. We see God's beautiful design in the harmony and the perfection But it didn't take long to see separation. We saw that sin entered into the world and has affected God's design in this world. We see in God's word that this sin separates us from God. It separates us from God's design. And we see in God's word how God describes sin. And the word is death. Sin causes death. It causes separation. It causes destruction. And this sin is a part of Satan's schemes and the lies of Satan. And and Satan is trying his best to continue to further that distance, that separation between us and between God and God's design. Not only is Satan working against us in those ways, but it's also this world that we live in, this wild, crazy world full of sin continues to draw us further and further away from God's design and God's truth. And if that's not bad enough, our own selfish sin nature is doing the same. And so we see Satan working against God's design. We see our flesh working against God's design. And we're in a world that is tainted by sin, with other sinners, and we are continuing to be pulled further and further away from God's design. But that's not all, right? And that's not where the story ends. Because while God's design was perfect, and while God's design has been destroyed and separated and and been um, messed up because of sin, we see that God doesn't leave us there. That God entered into our brokenness, entered into the sinful world that we find ourselves. We see that Jesus Christ left heaven and entered this world for you and for I, for the sins of this world. And he paid a debt. He paid our sin debt. He made a way. He bridged the gap between sin and between a holy and righteous and perfect God. And so there's good news for the life of a believer And the good news is the gospel news. It's the good news of what God has done in Christ Jesus to secure our salvation. 
And I want to lay a little bit of groundwork before we got into what we are going to talk about today. Because I believe what we're going to talk about today, apart from sin, sin is our biggest issue because sin separates us from God. That's the main issue of this world, of our land, of our church, of of, of the country, right? Of of this whole entire world has been tainted with sin. That's the biggest issue. But I believe we're going to address a topic that is the next biggest issue that we face in our schools, that we face in our homes, in our families, in our communities, in the big C church. Because it's from this issue that every aspect of our life flows from. It's from this topic, right, that we find our being, our worth. It's from this topic that we do what we do. It's from this topic that stems and shapes the way that we think, the things that we eat, how we act, how we talk, what we watch, what we listen to, the things that we wear, our day-in-day activities, and who we believe about ourselves, and so on and so on. And the issue or the topic or the question that I want to talk about today is the question, who are you? You see, we all have to answer this question, who are you? Because it's from this question that we find our identity. It's from this question that we live our life out, day in and day out. It's from this topic or this question, right, that we find purpose in life. And it influences our day in, day out activity, our lives, our family, our community, our school. And I believe... This topic, right, this question is maybe one of the biggest ones that we have. And I want to propose a statement to you all that I believe one of the biggest issues, apart from sin, in our church, in our community, in our family, and around this world is that we have an identity crisis. Because I believe it's out of our identity that we live life. It's out of our identity, the way that we react, the attitudes that we have, It's out of our identity, who we believe to be at the core. It affects us. It affects all that we do, all that we say, how we live our life. And according to Webster, identity is the distinguishing character or personality of an individual. It's the condition of being the same with something described or asserted. It is the collective aspects of a set of characteristics by which a thing is definitively recognizable or known. So identity, what it's not, it's not what we proclaim. It's not just what we say. It's not just the hashtag or the title that we put on our profiles and on our name. It's more than that. It's the evidence of the character of our heart and who we are. It's how we live out our lives day in and day out. It's what's evident to the eye as people observe our character, how we handle conflict, how we talk to our parents, how we talk to our authorities, how we talk to each other. It's more than just what we say. And I'm reminded of this in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. 
Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. Did you catch that? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. Not everyone who proclaims to be a Christian. Not everyone who has prayed the sinner's prayer. Not everyone who says with their words, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven, will enter. And so our identity is more than just words, but it's a life lived out. And I believe that there's been a time, if not even now, that a lot of times we look at our identity in Christ and we look at salvation as the end, as the finish line, right? They've been saved and baptized. Amen. Praise God. Let's go to the next. When we see here in Scripture that it is just the beginning, it is just the starting line. And so if we, the church, proclaim to be followers of Christ, our identity needs to be more than just words that we say or, or, or songs that we sing, but a life lived out for the gospel of Jesus Christ. A life where the gospel is evident in every aspect of our life. You see, if we do not allow the word of God to identify us as followers of God, if we, if we do not identify our life in Christ, the danger is the world is going to identify and tell us who we are. The world is going to shape us and to look more like this world and less like Jesus. The world is already working against God's design. And there was a Barna study that was conducted with answering the question, what most influences the self-identity of Americans? And it reads that while many factors make up human self-identity, most Americans agree the primary factor that makes up their identity is family. Nearly two-thirds of Americans say that their family make up a lot of their personal identity. And in the order, it is family, country, and then God. And I believe when we look at the word of God that that order is wrong. We may say God is first, then family, then country, and so on. But our actions speak differently. So who are you is the question that I want to answer. If you are a follower of Christ, we're going to look at the word of God. If you are not a follower of Christ, we're going to look at the word of God. As we look at the word of God, we see two distinct audiences. There are two audiences that are addressed when we read the word of God. Audience number one is the world. Those that are separated from God. Those that are walking in the ways of this world and of sin which scripture says it leads to destruction, it leads to the, the wrath of God, the judgment of God, and it, re, it leads to death. But audience number two, that when we read the word of God, we see are God's children. Those who have been restored back into God's design through the sacrifice, through the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Those who have been restored and made new. Those who have turned from their sins, repenting, 
of their old life, dying to self and trusting and believing and following Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And it was, I was reminded of a, a conversation that I had with Kason, my oldest. You know, he, he's, he's reasoning with Scripture. He's reading his Bible. He's uh, doing devotionals, and he's spending time in prayer, and he's trying to figure out what this looks like as an 8-year-old to follow Christ. And, and one day he came to me and he said, Dad, I think, I, think I'm, I think I'm getting it. He said, you know, like, uh, these people that follow God, it's like the color white because they've been cleansed from their sin. These that are following uh, the ways of this world are in sin, it's like the color black. And then those that are in the middle that are kind of figuring things out, right, it's like gray. And, and I, I heard his heart, but I wanted to point him to truth. And I said, buddy, that sounds good, but that's not true. There's either black or white. You're either far from God, right, or you're restored back into the family of God. You're either walking in the ways of sin, or you're restored into the family of God. And so there's two audiences. And the question is, where are you? Who are you? What is your identity? Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Are you a follower of God? Are you part of the church of God, of the body of Christ? Are you a part of him? Are you a Christian? And if you are a Christian, we're going to see some distinct characteristics of a Christian. Because our identity in Christ should be recognizable to both ourselves and to others. I'm going to repeat that. Our identity in Christ should be recognizable both to ourselves and to others. I heard it put this way. If I came up here 10, 15 minutes late, late to service, y'all are waiting, you're wondering, where's the, where, where's the preacher? Who's preaching? Where's, where's Pastor Jason? By the way, Pastor Jason's doing some field research. He's in the wild, right? He's got some, he's going to come back with some probably great illustrations. So, um, but if I showed up late and you're wondering, you know, who, who's, who's supposed to fill the pulpit, Right? Who's here? What's going on? Five minutes go by, 10 minutes go by, 15 minutes. All of a sudden, I rush in. And I say, guys, guys, I'm so sorry. So sorry. I'm just now getting here. I, I was late. I went to get in the car, and it was, it was dead. It was, it, was, it was out of gas. It was, you know, and so I ran here as fast as I could. But when I went across the street, boom, a semi-truck hit me. You wouldn't believe it, right? The semi-truck, I mean, it just, it just ran over me, all 18 wheels. And then the load that it was carrying fell on top of me, so I had to wait for someone to get it, get it all, and then... I finally got here, guys. I finally got here. I, I wouldn't let you down. Y'all would think I'm crazy, <laughs> right? Because there should be recognizable evidence that I've been just hit by an 18-wheeler, <laughs> right? There should be recognized. And the same thing for us who say Jesus is Lord. Who's bigger? Who's more powerful? A semi-truck or Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ. Who's more powerful? Who's, who, who transforms and changes like no other? Jesus Christ. And so the life of a believer, the life of a Christian, our new identity in Christ should be recognizably different than the ways and the things of this world. And let's see what God's word says our identity is in Christ. Who does God say we are in Christ? Because you don't want to hear from me. You don't want my opinions. I never want to do that to my children. When we speak, when we do our devotion, when we do our quiet time, what does God's word say? When they give feedback, well, I feel or I think this, I say, wait, 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 what does God's word say? 
And that's what I want to continue to reiterate to my children. I want to continue to reiterate to our, our, our students. And, and we want to do that to ourselves too. What does God say? Who does God say that I am? And the first thing that, that I think we, we should point out is that we are new. We have a new identity in Christ. We are no longer slaves to the things of this world and, and enslaved to the brokenness of this world. Romans 6, 6, knowing this, that our old self has been crucified with Christ, no longer our bodies, no longer that our bodies of sin might be done away with, so that we no longer be slave to sin. And so not only are we made new, and we have a new identity in Christ, but the second point, we are reconciled. We are reconciled to God. Romans 5.10, for while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Now, what we're going to see in many, all of these verses, what we're going to see is some prepositional phrases that are key to all of this. We're going to see in Christ. We're going to say by his life. We're going to see that there is, is great work, a great work that Christ does in our life. The power that we have, the identity that we have is being in Christ. It is of Christ. It is of God. It is by his blood. It is through him and in him and with him. And this new identity that we have, it changes the relationship from being enemies of God, now being restored and made new. It changes our identity, the way that we look at this world and the things of this world because we have been adopted. We are adopted and no longer do we, do we fear God at a judgment in his wrath, but we cling to him. We call out to him in an intimate and a personal way. We call out to him as Abba, Father. Romans 8, 15 through 16, it says, For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons, as we cry, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And not just children of God, not just adopted into his family, but we are co-heirs with Christ. The scripture says we are co-heirs with Christ, Galatians 3.29. And if we belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to the promise. And not just co-heirs, but also friends in, in, in John chapter 15. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I called you friends because all things that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Isn't that amazing news? Isn't that good news that in Christ, our, we have a new identity. No longer are we enslaved to sin and the things of this world, but we've been reconciled to God. And we can have an intimate relationship with God. And we can approach him with confidence, it says. In Hebrews chapter 4, therefore let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may have mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. There is a confidence that we have as a heavenly father, as a good father, better than any earthly father, that we can draw near to him. 
and we can ask him, we can draw to his throne of grace, not of wrath, not of judgment and condemnation, but of grace, a throne of grace. And there we receive mercy and grace. And we know that we are heard, that when we ask, we can ask for guidance and wisdom where it is needed. James 1, 5 says, but if you lack, you who lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. We get to ask for those things that are, that are in need. As we reason with God's word and we're trying to figure it out and we don't know what to do, or we find ourselves in a storm or a circumstance where we're like, where do we go from here? We can ask and know that we will be heard and know that God is there. He is not distant or far off, but he is near. And we have this security. We are secure in Christ because nothing will take us from him. Romans 8, 38 through 39, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will, set, will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Great security. We are secured in Christ. We can have that confidence and that hope that no matter what is going around, no matter what we, we are facing, we can see that nothing will separate us. Nothing. That is good news. Now are we displaying these things in our lives? If we proclaim Christ as Lord, do people see that new identity? Do people see that we've been reconciled and no longer enslaved to the things of this world and enslaved to sin? Do they see Jesus living in us and through us? Because that's what the word says, right? As followers of Christ, they'll know us by our love. They'll know us by our fruit. They'll know us by the lives that we live out that should be drastically different. In the way that we do that, the way that we bear fruit, the way that we continue to draw near to God, as Pastor Jason told us, God's love language is obedience, Right? And as we rest in God's authority, our response to him is trusting in obedience and faith. Knowing that obedience is the key for us to continue to be at his feet often. To be in his presence, to continue to experience his love and, and his mercy and his truth is obedience. Coming to him often in repentance, trusting and believing, asking for forgiveness John 4, 23 says, Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, if anyone loves me, he keeps my word. And my father will love him and will come to him to make our abode with him. We keep his word in our hearts. We live it out in our lives. And not only is our identity marked by these things, but we get to look across this room and we get to be a part of an amazing family. We have a great heavenly father, and then we have an amazing family that we are born into, born again into, as believers in Jesus Christ, right? And, and bonds that are even stronger than our own blood brothers or sisters or family. 
this love, this, this family that God has given us as brothers and sisters in Christ that are made up of many individuals of different walks in life with different giftings and different just stories that we get to continue to proclaim the goodness of God in and through this relationship that we have, right? And this body that we are, we are born into, this new family that we are a part of looks way different than our earthly family. It looks drastically different than our earthly family. And there are some things that have marked, that, that mark the family of God and that have been given to the family of God because it has been given to us first. We see there is great encouragement that you, we are encouraged in the body of Christ. When our identity is in Christ, we are encouraged. Galatians 6 says, Brethren, even if any of you is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such one in a spirit of gentleness. One, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. The way that we deal conflict when we see your brother in need or somebody who stumbles, we're not, we're not pointing a finger and standing over them and saying, I told you so. It looks different to be a part of the body of Christ, a part of the family of God where we extend grace and love and forgiveness, right? And that's the other one, forgiveness. So not only are we encouraged somebody to get back up, Right, can encourage somebody to point them back to the cross, back to the presence of God. But we are, are forgiving of one another. Matthew 8, 18, sorry, Matthew 18, 21, 22. Then Peter said, came and he said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? He thought he was something, right? He knew the answer. And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. We extend forgiveness, not because they earned it or deserve it, right? We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. But as obedient children of God, we continue to forgive and to love and to extend grace and mercy. Why? That displays the cross of Jesus Christ. That displays the gospel of Jesus Christ as we forgive and we love and we forgive and we show mercy. Now, it's not saying you have to like them get that? It's not saying you have to trust them and put them in your inner circle. But we love them and we forgive them. We don't hold their sins against them. We love them and we forgive them. We encourage them. We build them up. And we point them back to the cross of Jesus Christ. So we are encouraged, we are forgiven, and we are loved. We are loved. And it's not this feeling of love. It's not this Cupid with the arrow, you know, floating around and, and firing arrows kind of love. But it's an agape kind of love. Unconditional, undeserved kind of love that we experience from God and therefore display it to others. That we love them and we show the love of Christ. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. That kind of sacrificial love. 
Our identity in Christ should display that kind of love, that kind of encouragement, that kind of forgiveness. We see our focus and our heart and our mind set on things above. Colossians 3, 2. So set your minds on things above, not on things of this earth. When we set our minds on things of this earth, right, we become very selfish. When we think about our needs, right, and we think about the things here and now, we become greedy and selfish, and we don't want to extend love and grace and forgiveness. We want justice. We want to get right or get even. But our minds are called to set on things that are above. And when we read the word of God, we see that we are not without affliction. But in Christ, we are afflicted. If Christ suffered, why don't we have to suffer? But the, but the, but the word says we will suffer. 1 Peter 3.14 But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. You are blessed if you are, are suffering for the sake of righteousness. And do not fear their intimidation. And do not be troubled. Why? Because God is with us. Because there's nothing that's going to separate us from God. Because he is, uh, he is there with us and we have a body to encourage us and to help us through those times of trouble and suffering. And even our bodies, right, even our bodies and our actions reflect the mind of Christ. Romans 12 tells us, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And how do we renew our mind? With the promises and the truth of God. Through, through the scriptures and God's promises, God's truth, who God says that we are, what promises he has promised for us, what and who is our identity in. Renewing our mind with the word of God through prayer and through adoration. And the scripture says that in Christ, our identity in Christ, that we are, are instruments of righteousness. Romans 6.13. Do not go on... Uh, presenting the members of your body as uh, to sin, as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God, to those who are alive from the dead. Alive from the dead. And members of instruments of righteousness to God. Man, this is good news. It is good news to have our identity in Christ, that it is secured that nothing separates us from that, that we've been restored and made new and reconciled and no longer enslaved to the things of this world. But the, but the word in the scripture actually says we're now enslaved to God. So once we were, we were shackled and chained to, to sin and to destruction and to death, and when we've been restored and made new and reconciled to God, now we are chained to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And our identity is in Christ and of Christ, and through Christ, and with Christ. And that is good news. And we know every day is a battle, right? We understand 
that we are in the wilderness. We are in this world. We are in this uh, sinful place. We understand that. But what we also understand is that we prepare differently every day for battle. We prepare differently for our day because Ephesians 6 says that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers and against the powers and against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. The way that we prepare for battle, it is a spiritual battle. And so we are found often and in the word of God. We are found often uh, removed and in the presence of God because we have access to the throne room of grace where God extends mercy and grace. We, we love differently than the ways of this world. Our identity is way different than the writing that we see on the news, right, from, from the social media posts, from whatever you want to call it. But the ways and the things of this world, for us, our identity in Christ are called, right, and, and, our, and our, our urge to grow strangely dim. They don't hold us captive anymore, and God has made a way out. And this maybe is one of the most encouraging parts of Scripture and for us to understand that one of the greatest blessings about our identity in Christ is the grace that we get to grow. Because I don't know about you, and all of this, I'm not there yet. You can ask my wife, you can ask my children. I am not there yet. But God extends grace that we can grow into spiritual maturity, right? This is the ideal characteristic. Because as a follower of Christ, we don't get to lower that standard and say, wait, 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 that's way too high, God. Lower, let, let's bump it down a couple notches. Make it a little bit easier on us. No. Instead, he extends grace for us to grow. He extends forgiveness and mercy so we can grow. He gives us a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance, until one day, it's Philippians 1.6, for I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in me, he will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. Our lives in light of our identity in Christ are filled with the heavenly Father, with this amazing, beautiful, loving family, and the understanding that our citizenship is not here, but it's in a kingdom, right? It is a heavenly kingdom, not found on this earth. When I, when I was praying and when I was looking at Scripture and figuring out where to go with this and how to address that question, who are you? What does it mean for your identity being, to be in Christ, right? I asked my son, I said, Kaysen, I said, um, what, is, what does it mean for your identity to be in Christ? Now, this is my eight-year-old. <clears throat> I said, what does it mean? And he says that, that I'm a Christian. Good. <laughs> what does that mean? And he said it very clearly, very simply, that I follow God and I do what he wants, read the Bible, and pray. I said, man, that's, yeah. <laughs> if our identity is in Christ, we are a Christian. We are a follower of Christ. We are 
a little Christ, right? We are Christian. And we follow God. Because he's our commander. He's our Lord. He's our king. We follow him. And we don't do what we want. But actually we do. Because in Christ, we want to glorify God. When we experience his love, we want to be loving and gracious and forgiving. And so we do what he wants. And how do we know what he wants? But we read his word. We memorize his word and we mend it to our hearts. It renews our minds. And then when it's lavished, when it's, when it's proclaimed in prayer, in adoration before God, and we read the scripture and say, I don't feel like I'm your son, but you say that I am. I don't feel like I should be forgiven, but you say that I am. Help me. Help me to walk in that. Help me to display that. And so what does it mean for identity to be in Christ? We are not our own, right? But we've been bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. What our identity is, right? It's we've been bought with the blood of Christ. And so our life is now not about God and his word and his truth and not about just, you know, doing life around the word of God and around God's people, but our life is now hidden, right? It should be hidden in the blood of Christ. It should be hidden in the word of God. And it's Christ's life that is displayed in and through our life. So our life is not our own anymore, but we've been hidden. We've been washed with the blood. We've been renewed and reconciled. We have a new identity. And it's no longer we who live, but it's Christ who lives in us and through us. And it's Christ's life that is displayed in us and through us. And there was a second audience. It's the lost. Those of this world. Those who are outside of God's design and have not been reconciled and made new in Christ. And so what is the, the message to them? First John says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that, that is good news. Why? Because Romans tells us all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the wages of that sin in, verse, in, in chapter 6 of Romans is death. The wages, what we get, what we deserve, but there is the free gift of God. The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And there is it, Acts 4, there is salvation in no other name. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which be saved but Jesus. And our response to that, I believe the prophet Joel says it well in chapter 2. Yet even now declares the Lord, turn to me with all of your heart, with fasting and weeping and with mourning. Render your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Our lives to turn, our hearts rendered, ripped open and broken before God. The posture of coming to him weeping, empty 
with brokenness, returning to him for his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness. Because what do we see? We see he is gracious, he is merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. That is the call for us. That is the call for those who are far from God, right? And that is even the call for the Christian to continue to render our hearts and come before God. And, and as, as David said, right, to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Right? Create in me a clean heart. Restore me. Make me new. So we've got this video here of a young lady from a video clip that maybe many of you have seen. But we see how the confidence in the gospel of Jesus Christ can radically transform and change lives. Let's take a look at that. Anna, you okay? Ask me who I am. Ask me who I am. Who is Hannah Scott? I am created by God. He designed me. So I'm not a mistake. His son died for me, just so I could be forgiven. He picked me to be his own, so I'm chosen. He redeemed me, so I am wanted. He showed me grace, just so I could be saved. He has a future for me because he loves me. So I don't wonder anymore, Coach Harrison. I am a child of God. I just wanted you to know. question is, who are you? Where is your identity? Is it in Christ? Is it in him? Is it in the beloved? Is it in the Lord? In whom? By Christ? Through Christ? By his blood? From whom? With Christ? In his name? In his love? Of Christ? And if it is, then the words that are described to you, the words that are, are described to us, and the words that we should identify with and should be proclaimed, through our words and through our action, is that you are saved and you are chosen. You are a saint. You are heard and you are reconciled. You are blessed and you are afflicted. But you are adopted and you are forgiven. And you are made new. And let's proclaim that to the world that we live in. Because God, through Jesus Christ, paid a dear price to give you and I a new identity. And understanding who you are in Christ radically changes your approach to life and to your self-image before God. As a believer, you are not separated from God trying to earn your way into his good graces. You are the righteousness of him in Christ Jesus. So discover the peace, the joy, and the blessing of living from your true spiritual identity 
in Christ. And so who are you? Let's pray and let's go into a time of invitation. Father God, I pray. God, as we continue to reason with your word, that your word would continue to reason with our hearts. God, that you would continue to, God, transform us from the inside out with your truth and our new identity that is only found in and through Jesus Christ. God, forgive us when we try to do things our own, we try to make our own identity. God, I pray that we would continue to surrender our lives to you. And I pray for those that are here, God, who are unsure of their identity. God, I pray for those that are here that understand that they are in the ways of this world. God, I pray that you would draw them to yourself through repentance and faith and trust. And may your gospel be proclaimed in and through their lives. God, we love you. We praise you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.